Another edition of the Round Ball Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter if you are so inclined at Corbin MBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos online, sportsethos.com. S P O R T S E T H O S. I had to remember to say that. They have everything there uh, basketball, baseball, football, gambling, fantasy, disc golf, all of that. So you want it, they have it. Check them out one more time on Twitter, at SportsEthos, online, SportsEthos.com. Today, y'all be listening to this on Monday the 23rd, we are continuing with our NBA trade guides, and I'm excited to have on good friend, frequent Twitter collaborator, we've talked several times here, the resident Kings expert for Round Ball Ramble, Eric, on to join me to break down all things Kings. You can follow Eric on Twitter at EricBball3. That's E-R-I-K, capital B, lowercase b, A-L-L-3. Definitely make sure to do that. The guy knows the stuff on all things Kings for sure. Eric, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I'm so glad we could get you on. We've been talking about this for a minute, and it's worked. You know, it's aligned. It's, it's made it happen. I said, I also do a Kings episode a while ago, and stuff fell through. I'm glad we were able to get it to go on here. It was funny. I put some on Twitter. You respond usually do. We talk about okay, let's make it happen. This time, I'm like, no, I have to DM because this has to happen, and and we were able to do it. So I'm really glad. Um, but let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. Uh, where they stand right now? Hashtag light the beam. But the Kings are third in the Western Conference, which it's not 2002. Like this is the year 2023. They're third in the Western Conference. They just had a, a, a slight letdown to the Philadelphia 76ers shorthanded uh, two nights ago by the time y'all listen to this. Uh, but aside from that, they have been a team just on fire. Uh, right now, sitting at third is no easy feat. This West has been uh, definitely interesting, <laughs> to say the least. But uh, the Kings are currently 26-18. and 18. Yep. They sit second overall in offensive rating. Uh, 25th in defensive rating, so not super great there, but 7th overall in net rating. And so with that being the statistical benchmarks here, I want to throw it over to you, Eric, as the guy who watches every Kings game to kind of get your analysis on what you've seen from this team up to date pre-deadline. Pre-deadline, I would say things are looking up for us right now, which is pretty much unexpected to where we were kind of going into the season. I was expecting us to kind of be in that 6 through 8 seed where we're – almost in the plan or like at the top of the plan, we do have the talent to be a consistent playoff team. I think where I don't think we're going to be banging down the doors as that three seed as for the entire season, but the talents has been there. Mike Brown has uh, been doing an excellent job coaching and making sure people aren't put in positions to succeed. And I guess if I had one word to explain how I'm feeling, I would say I'm beaming. <laughs> Actually like I'm <laughs> I love the punts. So there we go. I like that. That is something cool, especially, I mean, you, I know there's Jillian. There's so many Kings fans I know, Brennan Hayes, like that really deserve this team, this type of performance. Because y'all have been, long-suffering isn't even the word to describe which I'll have been through all of this. Like it has definitely been the gamut of things y'all have had to deal with. So definitely really cool to see y'all kind of go um, and have some success here. Uh, as far as the Kings stand right now, I mean, it is trade deadline season. And while the Kings are in a really good spot, 
Uh, defensively, they're not super great. Bottom 10 defense, they've been that all year. Um, they have the third worst interior defense in the league. I think they allow uh, 54.7, that's right, points in the paint each night. So not super great for a team that is doing really well, like as it stands home court advantage. But, you know, what what issues, before we kind of dive into some of the pieces and players that we think are, or players and pieces rather, um, draft picks that might be dangled, what weaknesses do you see from this team that you would like the front office to shore up? I would say um, right now our biggest issue is that our bench is very inconsistent. We can pretty much score with anyone with the four, uh, with our five starters. Um, there were a couple statistics out that I don't have in front of me the other day that said that De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, Sabonis, that starting five is one of the top net rating uh, starting five groups in the league. And then if you switch out De'Aaron Fox with Davion Mitchell coming off the bench, that group of five is also even better than our starting five. So we have the starters all figured out right now. It, the problem is when the bench comes in, we can't really hold a lead or we can't sustain a lead. Uh, if you watch Kings games pretty consistently, what you'll see is for the first couple minutes of the first quarter, we normally come out. We're average to say like we're not blowing everyone out in the first quarter. But as soon as the bench comes in, things start to kind of uh, fall apart a little bit or we start to kind of lose the lead. But then when the starters come back in that mid-second, we usually make that uh, second quarter push, and then we also make a third quarter push. It's just, can our team sustain it? For example, a couple of games ago, we were playing the Houston Rockets at home, and for the through the first three quarters, we were down going into the third quarter. And then the bench got hot in the fourth. The starters didn't have to come in, but we won by 20 points. Like, if our bench unit played as well as our starters, we would be a consistent three-seed, but... I don't think we're there yet. So we'll see how exactly the front office determines to move forward. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss who exactly we think should be good fits, but we'll just have to see how the front office kind of determines what's the best path forward for me. Cause I don't truly think that defense is the main issue. It's, Hey, we can't score with the bench consistently and we can't stop people with the bench consistently. And so we need to play hustle or, play hurry up with the starters to kind of make up for that. Definitely. I think that's a really uh, good point about the bench. Cause I have seen that, especially in the Lakers games I've seen with the Kings where, you know, we can't stay in front of De'Aaron Fox, you know, we're having problems with their shooters and the spread pick and roll, but then the bench comes in. It's like, okay, like we're getting back in. Like our team, I think is played hard in spurs, but also like the bench isn't super great. And you kind of brought some numbers to back that up. I'm um, looking from this more to that team, uh, contract aspect. I mean, you do have, you're right now, what, 16.5 million below the luxury tax. So that's good there. Um, as far as long-term salary, people that are locked up, you have uh, Kevin Herter at uh, 14.5 mil uh, through 2026. You have DeMontis bonus at 18.5 mil through 2024. And then of course the big one, Darren Fox at 30.4 mil through 2026. So those guys, they're locked, they're good. And as it stands, they are a huge part of this Kings core. There is no way they'd be traded. But leading to my first question here, who are some players that you do deem tradable or most likely gone, whether that's because they're untouchable, whether that's because, I mean, whether that's because they're most available, whether that's because, you know, uh, they would fit better another team. They're your most likely avenue of getting an upgrade, whatever the case may be there. Okay. Uh, I would say our most tradable players right now. Um, one is Rashawn Holmes. He still has about three years left on his deal. Um, his third year is a player option. He has our, our big contract still on the board. He's still on for about, on average, about $12 million for the next three years. 
And then our other tradable contracts are all real small fries. Uh, we have Ter- Terrence Darren's making about four million, Alex Lane making about four million, and then uh, Trey Lyles and Chimenzi Metsu are both around that two million mark. So we have all the core pieces locked up. I'd also add some guys who I think are long-term kings and or are thrown in and real big deals are probably Keegan Murray and Davion Mitchell. Like I would say those two guys, since it's hard to keep um, rookie contracts, or sorry, I shouldn't say hard to keep, but rookie contracts are some of the most valuable contracts in the NBA, especially with the way how they are contributing to wins right now. They're the most important ones, I think, personally to keep. The real question for me is where do we send Rashawn Holmes and are we getting back, you know, a big contract? And the other kind of swing factor is how does the front office feel about Harrison Barnes? Harrison Barnes is 30. He's on contract for $18.5 million for this year. Um, if the front office thinks they can bring him back, if Mike Brown wants him as part of our core moving forward, I would love to have him back. He's a good locker room presence. He's a good vet for the young guys, knows how to work. He can score consistently. Um, he competes on defense, even if he's not necessarily the best defender. And it's just kind of who does our front office see improving our team? And if they think Harrison Barnes is worth throwing in a trade, sure, that's great if it's a good offer. But if it's just we're sending him out because we don't think we can resign him, I would feel kind of annoyed about that. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I'm with you. That's one of those things you hope that they don't do. Um, just because, like, hey, he's available, like, let's just move him, or hey, he's both in play. No, I agree 100%. You definitely hope that that's not the case, and he's been playing well. A steady veteran presence, uh, helping, letting Keegan Murray kind of find his time, you know, to kind of grow into the role I think that he will inherit from Barnes, you know, so, no, very good piece, and only, what, 30, 31, like, the guy's... 30, yeah. 30, yeah, so, you know, still square in his prime, I imagine, if not, I mean, 30 is, yeah, I'd say 30 is his prime. Harrison Barnes is one of those guys, he kind of, I think he'll be who he's going to be at 27, at 30, at 33, like, 3 and D kind of guy, you know, steady contributor there. Um, Kind of, we already talked about the the, play, the players that are on contracts long term, but you always see a trade, surprising as it may be, I mean, I think you could say it was DeMontis bonus for the Pacers last year, that you knew one of either him or Miles Turner was going to be moved, but you really didn't think it was going to be a bonus. Uh, so I feel like this question is still valid, uh, because out of those three guys I mentioned, obviously none of them are going to be moved, but which one are you like 100% most certain? Like if there was a trade and it was one of those three, which one would you be most surprised was moved between um, um, Fox, Sabonis, or Herder? That's that's kind of the who is more untradeable or who's most untouchable. Hmm, that, that is an excellent question because when you look at it from last year, um, our probably two untradeable players would have been De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, or actually probably Tyrese Halliburton was the most untradeable person on our team. And our our front office said, oh, uh, change of plans, guys. So I would say out of those three right now, I would say probably, surprisingly, De'Aaron Fox would probably be my guess for our least or most tradable out of those three, simply because he's on the biggest contract. Um, Sabonis is locked in for two years. We've seen that. Uh, Davion Mitchell can be successful with the starters. Uh, yeah, if we send out Fox, we would need another point guard. He's kind of our fourth quarter closer, but you can also win games in the first three quarters, so you don't need a fourth quarter closer. And um, if we were to trade it, we would also probably be getting a star back because max contracts going out typically bring max contracts in. Uh, so I would say that's probably the guy who would be our most likely to be traded out of those big three. I, I don't think any of them are on the way out. They just all three of them work so well together. Kevin Herter's shooting opens up so much for Sabonis and Fox. 
that I don't think they would send him out either. No, it feels it felt like such a silly question to ask already. Uh, part of the script I'm asking every team, but I totally agree with you. The synergy between the three are great. They've all been playing well. Two of the three have strong case to make the all-star team. One in Sabonis, I think, is pretty much a lock. You know, Fox, just so many people in that position. Um, but I agree with you. There's, yeah, it, it basically was almost a question not worth asking, but I also wanted to get your perspective on it. And so I think it was interesting there for sure. Um, it's a, it's a like, good question. Uh, I it's a good question. It's, it's, it's worth asking, especially because mm-hmm. last year, you would have think that out of Fox and Tyrese, Fox would have been the one traded. I mean, there are a lot of people who are coming back on Twitter and saying crazy things like, oh, De'Aaron Fox was, you know, uh, the reason they didn't trade De'Aaron Fox and this and that. And it's just like, well, last year he wasn't doing as good, but they sent out Tyrese because he was the better contract. We got to send out Buddy Heal with them because personally, Buddy Heald had kind of outworn his welcome in Sacramento. Yeah. And these questions are worth worth asking. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And, yeah, I mean, it's something just useful to know in general. You know, you always, like I said, have a blockbuster surprise trade, and I doubt it's going to happen from a third-best team in the, in, the, in the West. But, you know, I think those three are safe to be to be, to be content. Um, can't even talk now. Those three are safe to move on with Sacramento for sure. Um, going into more of the trade aspect, we've seen a few trades kind of ballied about. You know, something fun when you are a successful team as the Kings are. Not a whole lot there you want to mix and mess around with. So, what from what you've seen as a fan, just whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on Twitter, Lord help us all, Facebook, <laughs> what has been one of your favorite trades that you've seen mocked out that you're like, you know what? I do like that for Sacramento. I wouldn't say I've seen a trades that, oh, I was like, oh, yes, this is the trade we need to do. I feel like I trust our front office to make good decisions. So I, I go on the trade machine, but I kind of get to the point where it's like, I think if we are going to make a trade, it's a three-team deal. For example, mm-hmm. last year when we moved uh, Marvin Bagley, that was a four-team trade, and we got back Dante DiVincenzo and Trey Lyles, and I think someone else who I'm forgetting now. But the the, the point was yeah. that it was kind of unexpected. It was out there. I mean, no one really expected Marvin Bagley to bring back Dante DiVincenzo, and so mm-hmm. that's not something I expected. For one, where it's an actual two-team trade that I – kind of seen banded around is Cam Reddish and Isaiah Hartenstein from New York Knicks coming back to Sacramento for Rashawn Holmes and probably like some second rounders. Um, our first round pick situation isn't really ideal. Um, for those who don't know, we sent out a protected first round pick for the Kevin Herter trade. It is protected uh, for a couple years. I believe it's 2024, 20, 25 and 26. It's lottery protected uh, for most of that time period. Um, so we, because of the stepping rule, if we were to trade our first round pick, we couldn't trade our 2023 pick until draft night. And then we can't trade, you know, the 25, 26, 27 picks unless, um, unless we took out the protections off of the pick that's already been traded. I don't see our front office doing that. Ideally the pick gets conveyed in 2024 because we're a playoff team. You know, that's the, that'd be great. If we could have playoffs this year and playoffs next year, I think Sacramento would have parade confetti still in the air, you know, when, when we make the playoffs. So yeah, um, that, that kind of messes everything up. So I do think it's going to be kind of smaller trades around the edges. It's just going to be uh, $12 million or lower, depending on Rashawn Holmes, or if the front office is willing to move Harrison Barnes. But I don't think there's a team that's willing to give up a star player for Harrison Barnes and no picks. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's going to be something added back on that for sure. Um, also, I uh, just to, 
helping out with that last player. How can we forget Josh Jackson's time with the with the kids? Oh, it was Josh Jackson. It was Josh Jackson. Yep, and and, and yeah, like you said, it was Josh Jackson, Dante Divincenzo, and Trey Laos. So really fun there. Um, yeah, I wonder where. I mean, Josh Jackson. I haven't really heard a lot from him. Just a random thought. Now, now I gotta look and see where he's at because I'm like, is he even in the league this year? Well, I know you are a Phoenix Suns fan. And I, a free agent, yeah. yeah. The Phoenix Suns have not had the best draft luck other than, you know, Devin Booker. No, I mean, that, that Cam was Jones the, pick was, that was the worst. I mean, you had the chance for Jason Tatum, you know, and, and you didn't and you didn't get him. Like, that. yeah, you're right. I wasn't and, fond of Josh Jackson when it happened, much less, you know, I didn't yeah. see it. And, I'm, and, I'm not and the deer Fox went right after that, too. So. Yes, and that's another guy. I mean, come on. You wouldn't be looking for a replacement for Chris Paul if you had Darren Fox. You wouldn't have to trade for Chris Paul in the first place if you had Darren Fox. Now, I don't know whether success would have been. Chris Paul definitely did bring an air of legitimacy and also some increased winning with that squad, but you were looking for backcourt mate because you were playing just this carousel of just soon to be free agent guards alongside Devin Booker. So yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. So interesting how some of these worked out. The Suns got that Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. You know, how that could have worked out. But you know, you get the chance to get what Jalen Smith, you gotta do it. Like just <laughs> just craziness there. Craziness for sure. But yeah, this this kind of trade discussion for the Kings is really cut and dry just because, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I don't anticipate a lot that the Kings do. We'll ask you that toward the end here. Uh, we got one more question in between that. What is the least favorite trade that you've seen with this team that you're like, why are we doing this? Like, what is the use of throwing, like, let's trade. I don't know. I can't even think of a trade. Oh, I know. I'm, let me give you Kendrick Nunn and uh, Pat Beverly and you give me back Malik Monk. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll throw a little trade out to you, but like, what is something you've seen? I haven't seen too much myself that you're like that makes zero sense. Not sure why we do that. Yeah, I would. I would say that's a pretty bad trade offer. But I'm also <laughs> seeing like um, seeing things being sent around. A lot of people are talking about trading for Mason Plumley because he is a he's a center. He's probably a top e or top twenty five top. 35 center in the league like he would be he's probably he's good enough to be a starting center on some teams but he definitely not better than Sabonis obviously um so I think it would be bad if we gave up say Rashawn Holmes and picks a possible like first round pick or something along those lines like I'm just not a fan of any trade that involves us sending out a first round pick unless it's a guaranteed star coming back you know like Kevin Herter was a was a salary dump from Utah we were able to give up a protected pick and then Mo Harkless and Justin Holiday, two guys who probably might've been at the back end of our rotation, but wouldn't really be getting that many minutes. And we got a quality starter out of it. Like if we are trading a first round pick, we need to be getting a quality starter back. So pretty much as soon as I see someone involving first round picks or anything like that, it's just, it's a no go for me. Um, speaking of first round picks, someone did mention that they would trade us Alex Caruso for Davion Mitchell in a first round pick. And that surprised me. I'm not a huge fan of that, even though I am a fan of Alex Caruso. I think, you know, he's a good player. He helps teams win. But I don't think that gap between Caruso and Davion is large enough where you get a first-round pick. So it's kind of like no stars, no picks. That's just that's just how we're going to do it. I agree. You definitely think it would be something. I mean, it has to be if it's going to be anything, a move with, between the margins. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And right now, it's probably something to augment your bench. Do you have a favorite target? that you look at to kind of make your bench better that is attainable that you're like, you know what, Let, let's go with that. Yeah. Um, I would say um, I have a couple guys in mind as ob- obtainable 
They're making under like $15 million a year. So we could send out just a couple pieces, probably a second round pick or two, depending on how that goes. Um, some of the guys I've been looking at were uh, Doug McDermott from San Antonio. And while we're speaking of San Antonio, I think Josh Richardson also would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys who are either good three-point shooters, good Josh Richardson's a little bit three and D's, a little bit both, whereas McDermott's more of that um, catch and shoot, can run dribble handoffs. He knows how to cut off a Sabonis because they had their time in Indiana together. I think those guys would be really good fits. Uh, some other guys that have been kind of thrown around are like Jay Sean Tate, Jared Vanderbilt, um, kind of those guys along the edges. Nas Reed's another one where you're just kind of taking shots on some of these guys who are coming off their either low contracts or their rookie deals or like their rookie extensions where they hadn't quite gotten paid a lot yet. I think people have said Vanderbilt has like the best contract in the league because he got extended parted. As a or he, as before he was a starter in Minnesota, so he's just on a super cheap contract. Um, and then like PJ Washington on Charlotte's also a good target, or Jalen McDaniels. Mm-hmm. I think both of those guys, since they have been mentioned in trade rumors, um, you get athletic uh, wings, forwards, and that six eight to six ten build. They can play do a little bit of rim protecting. They can play defense, and both of them can shoot the three. Pretty much, as you can see. I think three-point shooting is really important to us. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Because, <laughs> like, just for – to go back to our bench discussion at the beginning, I think a lot of things will get cleaned up for our bench if we just add some three-point shooting. Right now, um, we have a bench lineup of Davion, uh, Malik Monk, Trey Lyles, uh, Chimezi Metu, and then we have, like, a 10th, 11th man, a KZ Arpala and Terrence Davis – um, mm-hmm. Other than Terrence Davis going for 30 plus points on national TV against the Nets, he hasn't, he's kind of been falling in and out of the rotation. I think if we just get a consistent three point shooter that can just open everything up. Cause right now Trey Lyles is Trey Lyles and Malik Monk are our best shooters for that bench unit. And neither of them are really putting fear in anyone, especially because Malik's been struggling recently. So yeah, it, it would, I think that would help out a lot, especially because your defense improves when the other teams taking the ball out of the basket. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. That spacing, it will help others. Like you said, Malik Monk may be able to create more space to get to the basket. Other guys to have some more movement where they're feared and, and maybe give some of these guys off the bench with a more limited offensive skill set, the ability to make the use of what they do have. Because, you know, if it's a more spread floor, everyone eats, right? At least the potential of that. So I agree with you there. Uh, this has been a great discussion. I really do appreciate it. I have one last question here just about the Kings, which they seem like such a simple team. Last year would have been crazy to go into, but Looking at them now, and and just from what you've seen and, and what we've shared so far, as far as a prediction on what this squad is and what they project to be moving forward, do you think the Kings are active? Are they reactive? Are they like, hey, we are just sticking with what we have right now. We're not doing anything. That's an excellent question because I think even the front office would be surprised at how well we've been doing this year. Um it, it did crack me up to talk about uh, another sports podcast you guys have. Dan Vespers always talks on his uh, NBA fantasy today about how the Kings over was his biggest bet of the year. When he <laughs> talked about the Kings over, it was like it was 32 and a half wins. I think he got it at. I actually had a friend who was in the Vegas area before the season started mm-hmm. and he said, Hey, I'm going to bet the over. And I'm like, yeah, you should bet the over. I'll give you money to bet the over. So I actually <laughs> sent him some money. I sent him 50 bucks so he could bet 34 and a half for us. So if the Kings Whoa. get over 35 wins, you know, Hey, you know, dinner's on me next week or, you know, after the season. So yeah, that's but, what's up. And, and clearly yeah, so, <laughs> that's going to happen. <laughs> that's pretty much going towards playoff tickets, I guess. So 
There you um, go. That's, oh, that's so cool. That's how Vegas saw us at the beginning of the year. And mm-hmm. so personally, I'm not that surprised that we've been doing as well as we are. Um, but the front office has kind of shown, yes, they're willing to make big moves. But Monty McNair's strategy, he's been very consistent about this, is that they're trying to make moves, not necessarily for right now. They're trying to make moves for the future. When they made the Tyrese Halliburton and Sabonis trade, everyone was like, oh, the Kings are going for the playoff push. And it's like, well, Monty McNair says, well, if we do, that's great. But we're trying to build for next year and the year after that. Sabonis had two years left on his contract. Um and so he was the real main part that we had. Kevin Herter, who has been traded for, he had four years left on his deal. All of these guys are young, under 26, 28. You know, they're all between that 26 to 22 age range, I think. So there's plenty of time. There's no one who's um, either close to their prime or out of their prime. Like they're in a much different situation than, say, like the Chicago Bulls, who made a big swing for DeMar and Vucevic, but they're either going to be active or they're not going to be in the playoffs probably, or they're going to be in that play in hunt. So I think right now the Kings are, let's see how the good deals come up. Let's see, depending on what Harrison Barnes, um, what their opinion is of that. Let's see how that goes. I would like Harrison Barnes back because well, I, he's been pretty much the best player or not uh, one of our most consistent wings we've ever had in the past, you know, 15 years <laughs> since we haven't made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so I personally would be reactive, see what other teams are sending us, just make those moves around the margins. If someone's willing to give us a star for a decent price, I mean, like that Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis trade, like people mocked it then, but, you know, looking back, all-stars don't get traded for no first-round picks. You know, like there's very rarely you get all-star for all-star. Well, Tyrese Halliburton's now going to be an all-star, or he should be. Tyrese Halliburton, yeah. Um, (laughs) So um, very rarely does that happen where no picks are dealt. So I think they're going to look for more situations like that or just make those moves around the margins. They'll be active around the margins, but anything big, it's just going to be what they see what comes up. Yeah, no. And that makes a lot of sense. And I I'm, I agree 100 percent with it. Um, it's like you said, this team's been playing amazing. The beans been lit a lot more times than not. I think it's been almost a solid month. You know, <laughs> them winning their home games like they've just been impressive. It's really cool to see the Kings coverage, which is always so good during all the times they've been bad, much less now when they're flourishing and fans like yourself, which is really able to back up and, and give the same type of enthusiasm to a team that now, you know, has actual aspirations to the playoffs, you know, and I, I just say, keep knocking on that wood. It keeps going and keep lighting that beam, you know, <laughs> you mind if I rant a little bit? Absolutely. The floor is yours, my friend. All right. So my biggest gripe, and I'm going to say this because you were talking about how Kings fans are considered like one of the best fan bases in the NBA is that you get these, casuals coming out of the woodwork like wait the kings have fans and i'm sure you saw the video of uh when the kings were playing the jazz a couple weeks ago and kevin herter made the game winner pretty much the go-ahead bucket with like six seconds left and Mm -hmm. the sound almost broke the tv cameras because that's how loud it gets in there if you ever are in sacramento you need to go to a game because that atmosphere is fantastic right now they're winning Mm-hmm. When the lamp, like the beam chant comes out with like a minute or two minutes I left, heard on the Lakers squad, it was insane. It was <laughs> like, insane. <laughs> we're up eight with like two minutes left. That is not a decided game. But no. I truly do feel that if you have an entire arena, people chanting like the beam at you mm-hmm. with two minutes left, like you lose the fight. Like, yeah. you, <laughs> you, you do know you, they want to win, but like you'll see some teams when they when that light the beam chant starts, mm-hmm. like the, it seems like some of the fight goes out of them. I haven't seen when that light the beam chance. We have not had like a really 
lost we haven't lost a game when like the beam starts with like two minutes left. That is wild. That is wild. But it's it's so cool. I mean, the last Kings game I went to was like twenty sixteen. It was the one where it was the Thunder versus the Kings. I think uh Demarcus Cousins almost punched Steven Adams. It was a rough game. Kevin Durant and, and Russell Westbrook ate. You know, uh, Rudy Gay started off hot, but it cooled down. Like, that was – it was 2016-2017. That was the last Kings game I've been to. Okay, I used to live out there in Sacramento for a bit. So, yeah, it's really cool to see. And you're right. Like, that atmosphere is amazing. I'm about to catch – like I said, maybe go down to the area or something and catch one because it, it is something else for sure there. Um, and I'm glad. Like you said, it's – and that's one thing that always sucks is that – especially for these small – relative small fan bases like the Kings, which probably aren't small, just are overshrouded in the national narrative and everything else is that now that they are playing well and they're relevant, you not only have the Kings fans who are there, who've been there since day one, but now you have everybody who wants to be relevant kind of latching onto the Kings or speaking about things they're not aware of because all of a sudden they're just now an expert on the Kings as if the last 14 years we just slept past, you know? And I, I would imagine that's probably infuriating. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the small markets in general are in a much better place than the past couple of years. Like, it's really nice to see you look at the standings. We have Memphis, we have Denver, New Orleans with the Pelicans, the Kings, all these teams. Minnesota is now starting to get back in the playoff hunt. You got all these small markets that are doing well with bright young talent. You have teams like the Lakers, you know, at the bottom of the standing. Sorry, I, sorry to bring that up, but I mean, as a small market fan, it, it warms my heart seeing that the big markets are not just dominating the league just because they got all the stars and they have more money or they're willing to, you know, throw, throw a whole bunch of money at the problem. Like, yes, I do want the Clippers to not have all of their players injured, but also it makes me feel better that Steve Ballmer has all the money in the world, but he can't make all that money pay for a top four basketball team. Yeah, no, I get you. And that's true. It, that, that That's fair that you have, there's some level of competitive, not even a competitive advantage, some competitive parity in the sense that, okay, if we draft the right players and we have a good culture and our coaching is solid, then yes, we're not going to have, you know, the X, Y, Z big free agents come over to us, but we'll have talent on the floor that can stay with those guys and do better on any given night. And I agree with that 100%. Yeah. yeah it, that's really it, cool it, to see. It, it's really nice to see. It, it kind of makes me a little bit sad when you look at those all-star votes and you see guys like Austin Reeves and Kevon Looney are top 10 in all-star votes. And it's like, oh, so DeMontis Sabonis is not a top 10 player in, or a top 10 front court player in the West, apparently, but Kevon Looney is. And it's like, what? Come on. Yeah. Come no, on. I, that could be annoying. I could get that. I mean, listen, I'm going to be on the Austin Reeves train, of course, because the dude's numbers, he is an all-star in our hearts. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you're right. And that's why I'm, I, I'm glad that coaches get some say. I mean, coaches get more of a say as well and players too to even it out. Because at the end of the day, fans are going to go with what's popular. Austin Reeves, you know, I'm not. I'm just gonna say it. White guys in LA, like we love it, you know. For the Lakers, Kyle Kuzma. I mean, not Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Alex Crusoe, big time. Never an All Star, but got a lot of votes. You know, what I mean, like he was a guy that look, that a fan favorite. You know, mm-hmm. I love Austin Reeves. I'm not gonna lie. Austin Reeves got a dog in him. He plays well. He's on our, our best five man units. He's usually a part of. Like Austin Reeves, definitely a good player. Big step from the year before. No way in this universe or the next is he an All Star. With these numbers, maybe in another couple of years, maybe I don't know, but but not right now. Like we can safely say for sure, not right now. So I'm totally with you on board with that. Um, it's not even hard to say. At the same time, like you said, fans are gonna get their say. The good thing is that you do have, of course, coaches and players equalizers there to then give the proper shine to these guys. They play night in, night out, or they coach and scheme against night in, night out. And the mm-hmm. Kings are a problem. You don't yeah. want to deal with them. And 
I mean, De'Aaron Fox put fear in my heart of the fourth quarter of that Lakers-Kings game that we ultimately lost. We should have won. Russ gave y'all a little hint there. I'm just going to say it. But the bottom line is we were on track of losing that game as it was just because he was scaring us. Like, LeBron had to go out of his way. And and I like that he did. It was really kind of cool to see the game between the game. Call for the switch. Go out to the bonus. And then say, that's five. To let his teammates know, we're doing it again because we got to get this guy out the game. And then we finally got some points at the game five. I was like, yes, okay, cool. But then you couldn't stop Fox, who would score like 14 in the fourth quarter. And was it getting to the rim easy or stop pop for that mid-range J? And it was like, oh, my gosh, what are you supposed to do? So now imagine that with the champ, the fans screaming light the beam, which they ended up doing. And, you know, you have other guys. There's always one X factor, whether it's Keegan Murray or, you know, Harrison Barnes or my dearly departed Laker Malik Monk off the bench, even with the sump he's been in. Yeah, your team is just a fun, entertaining squad that's winning, and that's you can't ask for anything better than that. It's a it's a nice change of pace for the past sixteen years. Nice change of pace. <laughs> Absolutely, Eric. It really is, and I'm so happy you get to be a part of that, man. I'm I want to thank you for coming on. This has been fun. Uh, definitely going to get you on more again. Probably post deadline, see what happens because there really wasn't a whole lot to break down with these kings, which is funny. I was like, oh, let me just ask all these questions, and then you put them out there, and you look at the team and look where they are, and you're like. Yeah, that, that kind of just answers itself there. But we'll definitely have to have you on again for sure. Um, let the people know where they can find you. You have great insight. I think that you are someone who is quality over quantity when you do when you do engage on Twitter. It's really good analysis and stuff like that that I appreciate. So let the folks know where they can find you. Um, right now, currently, I'm just on Twitter. Um, honestly, probably trying to not get into – uh, like more writing, like Substacks or anything like that. But you can, they can find me at Eric B Ball three, like you said, E R I K B, then another B A L L three, and yeah, just follow me for some King coverage. I also talk about some fancy basketball stuff, and then I'm always willing to engage anyone about the other teams. I, I try to watch a couple other games a couple times a week, and so the NBA is in a really good place. Games are fun to watch, so it's it's been a good season. It has been indeed. Thank you so much again for coming on, bro. I really appreciate you and your time. Um, listen, after that, if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. As I say, if you're so inclined, I do appreciate it. Um, also on Instagram, same thing. So there you go. Um, for Sports Ethos, check them out on Twitter at Sports Ethos. Online, sportsethos.com. They have a lot going on. Some big stuff to come right now. We're in the midst of a mock trade deadline. Um, oh, let me actually tell Eric this. I forgot to tell you earlier. Oh, maybe please you to know that I represented the Brooklyn Nets and for about two hours, I almost had a deal in place trading. Oh, I don't know why I didn't put this in the show. Darn it. Okay. Anyway, I almost had a deal in place to trade Royce O'Neal for Keegan Murray straight up. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> so it was agreed upon. It was not agreed upon. It was like, oh, I like that framework. And I went, I'm t- I went, well, really? Whoa, hold up now. So then I was like, let me get this done. But then they waited a bit, and they did decided not to do it. However, they did trade Keegan Murray uh, for Kyle Kuzma. So <laughs> that ended up happening. Um, no. I, love, I love the guy. Uh, shot Keith. It was great. But that was that was some gold. I was like, Keegan Murray, like, well, I mean, this trade deadline has been fun, though. Like, I want to say, I'm telling you because you're a Kings fan, but in this trade deadline, I traded Ben Simmons for D'Angelo Russell. Um, the Rockets, uh, Yossi, I'm uh, forgetting his last name, but he's the – uh, NBA salary cap expert for hoops hype, and he got the Clippers. He's like, let's just have fun. He traded Kawhi <laughs> Leonard for Alperen Shangun and some others from the Rockets. It, it's it's been a fun thing. We gotta get you. We gotta get you on next year for sure. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, Royce O'Neal for for Keegan Murray, I imagine that's a non-starter on any universe for you. No. Um, and even for Kyle Kuzma, 
It's not, it's not, it's not even because I have a Keegan Murray shirt. I also have a Tyrese Halliburton jersey, and they always like to trade the guys who I'm fans of, apparently. Um, I, I just – I can't see it. Not one, like we discussed earlier, he's on team control for four years. We then have restricted free agency so we can lock him in for another four or five years. And there's just no reason to trade him for, you know, Royce O'Neal. I don't – how old is he? He's in late 20s, 30, early 30s. Uh, 29 now, 29. You're right. Yeah, like, come on. His If he has – he probably has another, you know, good four years left, but – Keegan Murray is shooting like 40 plus, like 42, 43% from three. I don't see what Royce O'Neal does for us that Keegan Murray doesn't currently. And Keegan Murray has a much higher ceiling. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, that's why, trust me, I wanted Keegan Murray with Kevin Durant. Woo-hoo, let's go. It was it was fun to imagine. He's such a solid player. He's yeah. such a solid player. So, yeah, yeah I'm sorry, y'all. If y'all thought we were ending, we were, but I had to throw that out there because it just came up and it was really fun. Anyway, check out all the trades and stuff on Twitter and, and online, sportsethos.com. Stephen Bagel and the others have done such a great job. We've had a really great cast of folks come in and make trades and negotiate and just have some fun with it. So definitely make sure to tune into that. But for us, for Eric, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And I'll talk to y'all. Bye.